This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host, researcher and entrepreneur, Ollie Tikkanen. Yeah, so we, we started this that in the wrist, the light sensor, you can have a light sensor, but it's not maybe the best. And on the back or on the thigh, you have the advantage that people are not taking it off that that often. Uh, and you mentioned that you are planning some studies that um, could, could you tell more about what kind of studies you are you are planning? Um, yeah, so currently, basically, we're um, well, I'm just trying a, a, a specific um, design where I just really want to understand how, you know, our, all our daily lives, they're, they're filled with so many different influences um, on sleep and then on, on our rhythm. Um, and vice versa, our sleep and then our circadian rhythm, of course, also influence the next day and what we do and how we feel. And so really, I want to understand how all of this is um, like, I want to understand the factors that influence our sleep in real life. And that might sound a bit like, hasn't that done someone yet? Because, uh, <laughs> you know, it's a really basic question, but actually it's really, statistically, it's quite hard to do. And, um, you know, many of the things of the factors you can study in isolation much more easily. So you would focus, for example, on the influence of alcohol on sleep. And then many of the studies have been done in the lab um, where you can control all of these um, factors and influences. But in real life, it's much more complicated because, you know, your life will look quite different than my life. And and so, you know, controlling for these influences and errors uh, and deviations in statistically is a problem. But at the same time, I think this is really the way forward because if we want to, um, you know, give good recommendations on what is healthy sleep or like what, how much light should you get out um, when, when you go outside or in general, how much light should I get so I have a healthy rhythm, so I have a healthy sleep? There are some recommendations, but they're really generic. They're really basic and they don't help me in, um, you know, achieving that goal. I, they don't tell me, yeah, okay, this is how I can get there, how I can really get the two hours of whatever light I need. And so I think we need this um, very personal view, this, um, you know, integrating it personal recommendations and then, of course, interventions when it's not about healthy sleep anymore, but, you know, subclinical maybe or even clinical. So I think this is the way forward. And, and, and really, we need to integrate it into your life and uh, not just, you know, give you generic recommendations. Yeah, that's that's interesting, and I think this this podcast we have had quite a bit of physical activity researchers, as the name is physical activity researcher. And I think there's kind of camps that you have physical activity researchers. They are now getting interested on sleep, and then you have sleep researchers who might be a little bit interested of physical activity, and then you maybe have even circadian rhythm, which is a little bit different than the sleep camp, even though I see it as the same thing. How, how do you see bringing these closer? Because basically all of these things affect each other and it would be interesting to study the interaction, but it seems that they are in different different camps currently. Yeah, I mean, that's very important. I think it's another um, example of where we have to work more. And I would <laughs> I don't like interdisciplinary because to me, 
I, I think we should think about more in anti-disciplines because otherwise we are so, you know, in our focus. So really, it's not about disciplines anymore. It's just that maybe about topics or, you know, um, working together anyways is, I think, a, a way forward. But um, you're co completely right that the sleep and the circadian field, they've been um, very separate for many years. Um, but like maybe the, the past 15, 20 years, they've really become close. And now we, you know, we attend each other's conferences and there is much, many more researchers who do both. Um, in terms of physical activity, I think there is room for improvement. But um, since you mentioned the example earlier um, about your camper van, I think you said you have camper van and then you go outside and then camp maybe and, you know, that you be more tired more early uh, in the evening. And there are exactly two influences. And so, for example, I'm a mountaineer. So when I go outside and um, go in the mountains and do some sports, I would be really tired in the evening. And then people would always say, oh, it was the exercise and oh, it, it was the good air. <laughs> and actually, I think so. I don't just think so. That there are uh, there's really evidence saying it's both and they are independent of each other. So you would have the activity part that's sort of but it depends on the activity, you know that better than me, but I guess it depends. Uh, it could make you even be more alert in the evening, but generally when you're really tired because it was strenuous, then, then it's more that you're, yeah, it would make you more tired. But at the same time, the light that you receive throughout the day um, is also a very strong signal. And so you can study these things separately and then uh, you would see that both they add up, so the effect is bigger, but separately they also have an effect. Yeah, that, that really makes sense. I think a long day in the mountains, you definitely feel tired. There's there's many reasons, but it's it's defi definitely you are tired. There's also the psychological aspect, actually. I forgot about that. So when you have really, you know, it could be some very, um, uh, you know, an activity that might be dangerous or whatever. And so you have uh, also this effect that you might be just mentally tired from this, um, you know, that you were at your limits, basically. Yeah. That, that really makes sense. Yeah. And you have done some validation measurements you did, did with the Phoebean device and you, you had some other device. Could you tell a little bit more what kind of setup you had and what do you, what do you plan to test? Yeah, basically, um, at the moment, we only have it in this really um, small field study, very, uh, what I described earlier, that we try to understand the different factors that also influence um, sleep. And there we had the actimetry devices um, varying at the same time. The, the, the participants were wearing the actimetry devices at the same time with the Fibion sensors. And so, um, so there, I just really want to understand whether the algorithms that I would typically use are also applicable with the with the Fibion sensors. And um, at the moment, just understand the pros and cons and where I could, for example, improve the design. So, and also the participant burden, because, you know, um, since I already told you the light sensor isn't very sensible, uh, having it at the wrist, getting, ri getting ri uh, rid of the uh, um, actinometer altogether and only have, uh, for example, a light measurement somewhere at the eye level and then combining that with a Fibion sensor would be interesting because that reduces participant burden. And otherwise, I would have so many different devices on a participant. And also, you know, some people, I forgot to say that earlier, some people, they really want to have their own watch or, you know, their other devices like Fitbit or whatever. And um, I mean, you know, when they participate in a small scale, scale study, like a week or two, they are happy to get rid of these devices. But if, if I really want to understand their daily life, they also, of course, want to wear their daily devices. And so, you know, reducing it to a minimum 
and having it as natural as possible for the participants, I think, is important. And and you are talking about the longer studies. Uh, is is there a lot of longer studies that you know in in the levels we are the day day duration of the day is changing all the time i see that your room got dark dark now so so it 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 is it is changing so probably even if you do do measurement certain point then you do it month later it is different the light light exposure so are other studies examining long periods like that have measured like more than few weeks yeah i mean it depends a bit on what exactly you measure um but they are they are definitely studies but often if they if they even do it because there are not many but when they do it then they would maybe do a week in summer a week in winter or additionally another one in the spring and and fall or autumn and so um by that makes sense you still pick a very specific week right so I really want to do a more really long-term study um, where you follow people a long time, um, not just for one week. And also, I mean, then there are other studies that would follow the same people for many years, but again, just maybe one week. So you would see like the development over the years, but not necessarily throughout the year. And um, so it really depends on what period you pick because uh, the photo period, for example, would be um, lengthening quite a lot during during springtime. So during what we experience now, February, March, um, the days get longer quite um, quite more rapidly than, for example, between um, December and January. And so if you pick a specific period during the, uh, during your study, you might really, you know, it might be a strong influence. And so... Yeah, the reason why people haven't done this is because, um, or not so much, is because of funding, of course, because it, these studies just take much longer. Um, and so we also have many, many fewer, or much fewer studies on these long, long-term uh, rhythms, um, or like we would call that not circadian then, but for example, circadian rhythms. So circadian rhythms in, in humans are just much harder to study because it's such, such an effort, basically. Yeah, I, I noticed myself. I think it was really cloudy January, so I started to notice that my my circadian rhythm was getting bad because I didn't see the sun. I think the day wasn't that short, but I think January was was hard. And now February has been sunny, and I I've been sleeping much much better. So you could basically do a study also that you would look like the the actual sunlight from the weather reports, right? I mean that's a very interesting idea, and we uh, we actually. Um trying to uh, to get some data for munich for example for the from the weather station um and relate that with the where people were and how what people did and so on and of course there are many other studies for example looking at mood since you mentioned mood now where people um and there you can sort of use big data for example you know twitter tweets or social media just social media data um where people, you know, would post specific things about their mood, like sad or whatever, and then relate that to the weather um, or to the uh, specific time of day, for example, because that mood is also uh, has a specific uh, daily rhythm. So, you know, people would be less uh, less happy and a bit more depressed in the morning than in the afternoon, for example. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that makes sense. And I come from Finland and I have sometimes checked the, the weather reports And I think, for example, in the university city of Uvascula, the average sunlight is eight hours in total in January. So all January days together. And then I, I checked it and, and one year it was one and a half hours, but there was a, 
there was a mark that some stations didn't work. So I'm not sure if it was like, but but if you really think it's it's not much, and yeah, I think it's not maybe the ideal pay place for human beings to be yes so very very interesting discussions i'm i'm checking my notes um like we we quickly said something about the temperature sensor how useful do you see temperature sensor being being in this kind of sleep and circadian studies yeah so so yeah i i was asking about the temperature sensor that uh, some of the devices have temperature sensor how useful do you see it and how 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 could it be used yeah so this is something i haven't used um, myself yet and i don't really know how useful it will be of course we know that um, ambient temperature um, has an effect on your sleep and so so knowing uh, knowing that uh, would be important for my study where i study different um, you know these daily factors that we have um, I guess the thing is that um, nowadays we sort of live in this very controlled environment where we would set the the temperature to a very specific and narrow range since we we can control it. And so I think um, the influence of temperature is a bit less than it would was, you know, when we lived in caves and so on. But nevertheless, you already noticed that, for example, when you go to a hotel, and I don't know about you, but for me, hotels are... I, always overheated so it's really warm and you hardly can air it and so often we would have um, you know this effect and that you find it harder to fall asleep if you're used to having a cold room where you sleep and so I guess we can use the temperature um, fun function or the sensor there no I'm just not sure how good they are sometimes so um, so sometimes I'm I think that's a question as well so I don't really know. I haven't looked into this, I have to say. Um, another thing that can be used for is, for example, to detect off-wrist uh, periods. So basically, when you're not wearing the devices. So that's another sort of control mechanism where you could um, make sure that the person has um, has been wearing the device. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it depends whether the temperature sensor is against the skin or on the surface of the device, That which one, which one is detected. I guess you would need both, yeah. Yeah. No, very interesting discussions. Um, is there something you want to add from from research point of view to this discussion? No, I think it was very. Uh, we covered a lot. <laughs> very, very nice, um, nice uh, discussions. I think. Yeah. And is your lab, or are you looking for any collaborations? Probably a lot of listeners are from the physical activity side. Are you are you looking for something? Do you have any open positions or anything you want to advertise? Um, well, I'm not sure about open positions, but you can always reach out um, for sure, um, especially PhD students, I think, um, or also master or bachelors, but I, I'm not sure how many of these people will listen. But um, indeed, I so since I mentioned that I uh, look into the different factors, um, daily factors that affect sleep, um, of course, one of them is activity. And so since I'm not a physical scientist, um, I only do sports myself a lot, uh, but that doesn't really qualify me as a <laughs> physical activity researcher. Um, I really struggle with the idea of how we quantify sports here and what this like also you know not in terms of what we can measure for example with the devices but what people describe for themselves what it is what it does to them personally um like subjectively i mean also whether it's sports or whether it's 
you know, is it sports or exercise or is it activity? I mean, you guys probably, um, I, 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 as far as I understand, this is still a bit of an open question, but, but I'm sure there, there are some, some ways of how you can really measure that more, um, more sensible than I did. And so, yeah, if people are interested in that and have some tips for me or, you know, uh, want to collaborate, just reach out and that would be nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that could be, could be useful because especially if you wear the device on the tie, you, you get good, good data for posture allocation and and also for physical activity you can even detect different types cycling and different intensities so that's a good good offer so if you if you're interested in collaboration and you you're collecting long long-term data so i think that would be very very interesting for many so that's that's good so very nice discussions thank you for taking the time for this podcast it was it was a pleasure anna thank you so much ali thank you Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Researcher Podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever app you're using. Or if you would, in a real old-school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes, so be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.